0: This is Ham College, Episode 80, for August 31st, 2021. Ham College is brought to you by ICOM. Stay connected and keep your competitive contesting edge with ICOM. Welcome to another episode of Ham College. I'm Professor Thomas
1: and I'm Dean Martin
0: and we're glad to be back with you tonight studying for the amateur radio extra exam. These questions are getting just a little bit tougher Tommy.
1: Oh they they sure are. I, uh, I kind of glanced over the questions earlier and uh, there could be some buzzer action again tonight more than likely.
0: Could be and we're we're sort of in the path of a hurricane right now. It's it's a ways away yet.
1: I've got the uh, hurricane watch net going on my 7100 down here. Uh, obviously got the audio turned down at the moment.
0: Yeah, I think it's still a Category 1 at this time, but it's expected to become a Category 4 and heading straight for email.
1: Yeah, literally. And the remnants are supposedly going to come directly over the top of us as well. Yep. Um, supposed to be even up here. It should be uh, thirty-five or forty mile an hour winds and a lot of rain. Yep. So, Think up. Even though forty miles an hour isn't too bad, so it takes down a lot of the big trees around here. So what did we
0: talk about last month?
1: Oh, what did we talk about? I didn't print the show notes, so you caught me caught me uh, off guard. Um, what did we talk about?
0: Well, I believe it was receiver performance characteristics, phase noise, image rejection, noise floor, MDS signal to noise ratio, noise figures, reciprocal mixing, selectivity, effects of SDR receiver nonlinearity, use of attenuators at low frequencies. And so, All I bet that fun you stuff. I bet you don't know what we're going to talk about this month either.
1: I do know what we're going to talk about. I do have that. Okay. Receiver performance characteristics, blocking dynamic range, intermodulation and cross-modulation interference, third-order intercept, desensitization, desensitization and preselector.
0: Anytime we're doing a live stream, we've got a chat room going on at the same time. You can get the details at amateurlogic.tv Slash chat. However, it's the YouTube chat. If you're watching us on YouTube, the chat is right there. If you want to comment in the chat, though, or participate in it, you actually have to subscribe to the channel in order to, yeah. well, to keep spam and porn and everything else that jumps into YouTube chats. That was the only option we had. Uh, narrowing it down to subscribers. That way we kind of got a little handle on narrating the chat room you know, yeah. or moderating. Maybe that's the word I'm looking for.
1: So if you're watching the live stream, you're not in the chat room, it's almost impossible, but you'd be missing half the fun. Yep.
0: Yeah. All right. And we do look at that chat room throughout the show And see what everybody else is saying is the answer of these questions as well. Yeah,
1: usually on the harder questions.
0: Yep. Uh, Speaking of which, here's the one you wanted. What is meant by the blocking dynamic range of a receiver? A, the difference in dB between the noise floor and the level of an incoming signal that will cause 1 dB of gain compression.
1: The minimum difference in dB between the levels of two FM signals that will cause one signal to block the other.
0: C, the difference in dB between the noise floor and the third-order intercept point.
1: Or D, the minimum difference in dB between two signals which produce third-order intermodulation products greater than the noise floor. Ooh. Okay. Okay. What is meant by blocking dynamic range? Now I understand the dynamic range for sure. So, difference between the difference in dB between the noise floor and the level of an incoming signal that will cause one dB of gain compression. The you know, difference in dB between the levels of two FM signals. That would cause one signal to block the other. I don't think that's right, that' see my like, that wouldn't be my interpretation of dynamic range uh difference in d b between the noise floor and the third order intercept point uh, since i don't it's been so long I don't recall what the third order intercept point is minimum difference in dB between two signals. That produce third-order intermodulation products. Difference between two signals. I don't think that would be dynamic range either. It's got to either be. I think it's got to be either A or C. Since I don't recall, what, I don't recall off top of my head, and I did not study for these. I don't recall third-order intercept points, So I'm going to go with A.
0: I'm going to agree with you, and those in the chat room brave enough to venture. An answer said it was A. So, let's see. And it is. You know, you just lucked out on that one. Blocking dynamic range. What what that's um, a measurement of is if you're trying to receive one signal right here and there's another really strong signal off to the side, it is possible that that strong signal well, you could say, like, sort of like descents what's coming in here. In other, in other words, that strong signal could block this signal being received. And it's how high this other signal has to be to block the one that you're trying to receive. And normally they don't measure that, like, really close. They measure it out a ways, like maybe 100 kilohertz away how strong a signal there would block out the signal you're trying to receive, and that's blocking dynamic range. In other words, yeah, dynamic range would be the strength of the signals and what you've got between the noise floor and the maximum signal level, but when we're talking about blocking dynamic range is how high would that other signal have to be 100 kilohertz away to block the signals you're trying to receive, and that figure ranges anywhere roughly between 100 dB and 150 dB on the more expensive rigs. And you know that's one of those things that um, some of the real old receivers were not very good there. They were real easy for a strong signal somewhere off in the band to the side to block what you're trying to receive. Uh they've gotten better over the years. Um but you know your your top of the line receivers are gonna be somewhere around a hundred and fifty DB. All right, well let's move on to the next question. You can ask me this one.
1: Okay. I'll give it a try. Which of the following describes problems caused by poor dynamic range in a receiver? Various signals caused by cross-modulation and desensitization from strong adjacent signals.
0: Oscillator instability requiring frequent retuning and loss of ability to recover the opposite sideband.
1: C, cross-modulation of the desired signal and insufficient audio power to operate the speaker.
0: RD, oscillator instability and severe audio distortion of all but the the strongest received signals. Now the an oscillator instability wouldn't have anything to do with dynamic range. Uh let's see, cross modulation of the desired signal and insufficient audio power to operate the speaker. That's kind of a trick one. Yeah, but that's not it. I mean it's not insufficient audio power. Uh, let's see. B. Oscillator instability requiring frequent retuning and loss of ability to recover the opposite sideband. Now that's that wouldn't cause or uh, be caused by poor dynamic range. A. Spurious signals caused by cross modulation and desensitization, from strong adjacent so my, uh, signals. Ah, uh, yeah, I'm going to say that's it right there. I'm going to go with A. It is. Okay. How can intermodulation interference between two repeaters occur? A, when the repeaters are in close proximity and the signals cause feedback in the final amplifier of one or both transmitters. B,
1: when the repeaters are in close proximity And the signals mix in the final amplifier of one or both transmitters.
0: C, when the signals from the transmitters are reflected out
1: of phase from airplanes passing overhead. Or D, when the signals from the transmitters are reflected in phase from airplanes passing overhead. Okay, and I'm going to go ahead and rule out C and D because airplanes don't have anything to do with it, in my opinion. So it's going to be A or B. So when the repeaters are in close proximity and the signals cause feedback in the final amplifier, feedback. When the repeaters are in close proximity and the signals mix, that's going to be it. It's going to be B. Uh, when the signals mix together in, in one or both of the transmitters, get intermod.
0: Okay. That's what everybody's. Saying.
1: He used to live in the Intermod Hotspot of Jackson, right right in the middle of it.
0: Yeah. There you go. It is B. wasn't too bad. So far, so good. Ray wanted to know if C would be an issue with the vector victor.
1: What's your vector victor? Yeah. I don't know. Roger, Roger.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Let's have another one.
1: All right. Which of the following may reduce or eliminate intermodulation interference in a repeater caused by another transmitter operating in close proximity? A. A bandpass filter in the feed line between the transmitter and receiver.
0: B. A properly terminated circulator in the output of the repeater's transmitter.
1: C. Utilizing a Class C final amplifier.
0: Or D, utilizing a Class D final amplifier. Which following may reduce or eliminate intermodulation interference in a repeater caused by another transmitter operating in close proximity? Okay, you can rule out the class of amplifiers. I don't think that's going to have anything to do with it. Uh, A, a bandpass filter in the feed line between the transmitter and receiver. That's a little bit of a trick one right there. Um, Feed line. Yeah, if it was, you know, if it was in the feed line between the transmitter and the antenna, you might Uh think that would have some effect. But, uh, well, B, a properly terminated circulator at the output. Of the repeater's transmitter. That's going to be my answer right there. Uh, what do you think, Dean?
1: I think you're right. I can't remember the last time I hooked up my uh, transmitter and my receiver directly together like that using the feed line.
0: You know, that's a good point. And having a bandpass filter in there probably wouldn't help the situation any, would it?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Not too much.
0: Okay. That is correct. And the chat room, most of them said, B, there were uh, some other answers in there as well. So here's a diagram right here, roughly, of a circulator. A circulator is a passive, non-reciprocal, three or four port device that only allows a microwave or radio frequency signal to exit through the port directly after the one it entered. Let's look at it this way. Put in a transmitter in one port. The next port around is the antenna. And you can see the transmitter power is going to go out through the antenna. How does this help keep the interference out? The next port after the antenna, we put a load on there. So anything that comes into that antenna is going to go to that load. It's not going to go back over to the transmitter where it can mix. Only the port following the the one you inject the signal into will get the signal out of it. I see. So we go in the transmitter. The next port around is the antenna, so the antenna. power goes out. If something comes in the antenna and we're injecting it back into the circulator, it's headed to the load.
1: Interesting. It, it is. Interesting.
0: It's real interesting. And, and, you know, there's one other interesting thing about a circulator there, and I'm not going to say this is the reason to use it, but think about reflected power coming back from your antenna. Forward power is going out of the transmitter into the circulator, goes around and into the antenna. Your reflected power, well, it comes back down the feed line into the circulator, but it goes to the load. So the reflected power doesn't come back to the transmitter. Your transmitter is going to be perfectly happy. It's going to say, okay, we've got a a good load there, no reflected power. Now, in reality, that reflected power is wasted in the dummy load, so you're not getting maximum power to the antenna, but it's not coming back in the transmitter.
1: It's not to damage your your radio. Yeah. That's interesting. Interesting. I need, I'm going to look it up and read up some more on that. Yeah. that's. I, uh, I, I recall that in the past, but I, I never really, I guess yeah. I didn't understand it or forgot. But uh, it's an interesting, interesting concept.
0: Yeah. Um. I've had occasion here where there were, um, well, there were uh, some commercial repeaters, or one in particular that was causing intermod all over the 2-meter ham bands and into the public safety bands as well. And it took a call to the FCC uh, from a few people to get something done about it. And they actually came and did some inspecting, and they found a transmitter where signals were mixing in it and it was putting out spurs and all over the place and the guy had taken a circulator out. And that was the solution to fix it. So what transmitter frequencies would cause an intermodulation product signal in a receiver tuned to one hundred and forty six point seven megahertz with a nearby station uh, that's transmitting on one forty six point five two megahertz. A one hundred forty six point three four megahertz to one hundred forty six point sixty one megahertz.
1: B one hundred forty six point eight eight megahertz and one forty six point three four megahertz.
0: C one forty six dot ten megahertz and one forty seven dot three megahertz.
1: And D, 173.35 megahertz and 139.40 megahertz. What transmitter frequencies would call an intermodulation product signal receiver tuned to 170? Ooh. This one's going to be a guess, man, because I don't know. I'm just going to roll with A.
0: Okay. You are like rolling high numbers tonight for I'm just buy guessing. A lottery ticket. Yeah. They were all over the place in the chat room, man, with good reason. Yeah, that's
1: okay. I can't, my screen went blank on the chat room and I can't even see it. So. Oh,
0: wow. well, Well, they wouldn't help helped you on this one. Um, You know, I did a little research on this one. I actually went to an authoritative source to see how to figure this out. Book of Gordo? Book of Gordo, yep. Extra class edition. First, let's look at what we know. The frequency that we are receiving is given to us as 146.70. That's the frequency we're concerned about having Intermod on. F1, the first transmitter frequency, is given to us as 146.52 MHz. And F2 is our second transmitter frequency, and that is unknown. We've got several pairs of frequencies in the answers to choose from. There's a couple of formulas that we can use to calculate out what these frequency pairs will be. The formula on the left is frequency of the intermod equals... Two times F1, our first transmit frequency, minus F2, our second transmitter frequency. The other formula on the right, frequency of the inner mod, equals two times F2, our second transmitter frequency, minus F1. Now we'll transpose those formulas so that they'll be useful in the case we've got here. On the left hand side, frequency 2 our second transmitter frequency is going to be equal to 2 times frequency 1 minus the frequency of the intermod. On the right-hand side, the other formula will give us the second transmitter frequency. That's going to be equal to the frequency of the intermod minus F1, our first transmitter frequency, divided by 2. Our first step to calculating this On the left-hand formula, we'll say 2 times 146.52, since that's frequency 1 that we were given. That gives us 293.04. Then we'll subtract our receive frequency, which is where we're concerned about Intermod, and that gives us 146.34. So that's one of the frequencies that could mix with the first transmitter frequency, 146.52, to cause intermod. Moving over to the other formula, we'll take our receive frequency, 146.70, and we'll add the first transmit frequency to it, which is 146.52. That gives us 293.22. We'll take that number and divide it by two. And that gives us 146.61 MHz. So the two transmitter frequencies that could mix with the first transmitter frequency that we know is 146.34 and 146.61. That's answer A.
1: What is the term for spurious signals generated by the combination of two or more signals in a nonlinear device or circuit? A, amplifier desensitization,
0: B, neutralization,
1: C, adjacent channel interference,
0: or D, intermodulation. What is the term for spurious signals generated by the combination of two or more signals in a nonlinear device or circuit? It's not amplifier desensitization. I'm not sure there is such a thing as that. It's not neutralization, although you know, neutralization is putting out some garbage. That's it's not because of two signals combining. It's not adjacent channel interference. It's uh, D, intermodulation. Pretty easy one there. Everybody in the chat room says it's D, two, so I feel good yeah. about that answer. This seems like a good place to... Take a break and change the subject <laughs> when we come back. <laughs> Contest remotely or from the comfort of your home. ICOM has the perfect base station ready for action. The IC9700, IC7610, and the IC7300 SDR transceivers are top of the line and are the first choice of contesters across the globe. Robust base stations like these cut through pileups, letting you work the bands and record those contacts. Stay connected and keep your competitive edge with ICOM. Heard it? Worked it? Logged it? Create your own band opening with the IC9700. This transceiver brings direct sampling to the UHF, VHF, weak signal world. This all-mode radio is loaded with innovative features that are sure to keep you busy. Faster processors, higher input gain, higher display resolution, and a cleaner signal, 4.3-inch color touchscreen, real-time high-speed spectrum scope and waterfall display, smooth satellite operation with 99 satellite channels, dual watch operation, and full duplex operation in satellite mode. The ICOM IC7610 is the SDR every ham wants. The high-performance SDR can pick out the faintest of signals even in the presence of stronger adjacent signals. The IC7610 is a direct sampling software-defined radio that will change the world's definition of an SDR transceiver, RF direct sampling system, 110 RMD bar, independent dual receivers, and dual digicell. The IC7300 chains the way entry-level HF is designed. This high-performance, innovative HF transceiver with a compact design will far exceed your expectations. RF direct sampling, 15 discrete bandpass filters, large 4.3-inch color touchscreen, real-time spectrum scope, and SD memory card slot. Visit icomamerica.com amateur today for more information on ICOM radios. Tommy, what do you say we give away something?
1: All right. We, can't, we can we do that. Actually, how about a couple of things? Okay. I just so happen to have this cool icon ball cap here. And I've got a really awesome icon ham crew t-shirt. Okay. I that- back it away from the camera a little bit so you can actually see it. You'll look as good when you leave the ham fest as you do when you get there. It's got the same thing on the front as on the back.
0: Okay. That sounds like a... Nice couple of prizes there, plus whatever else Jesse sticks in the box. Yep. How would you win this?
1: Well, it's really easy. All you need is an email address and a name. You don't even have to have a call sign for this one. So send an email to hamcollege at amateurlogic dot and that's that's really it. Uh, we're going to draw your draw your email, and uh, if you win. Icon will get in touch with you and get the information from you at that time to send your your uh, your shirt and your cap and whatever else they send.
0: Okay, and we took a random number right before the show tonight and chose a winner, and it is from Earl KD7SJT, and Earl said hi, George and Tommy just wanted to say hi and throw my name out there. For the swag prizes. Okay, congratulations, Earl.
1: Yeah, congrats, Earl.
0: Which of the following reduces the likelihood of receiver desensitization? A, decrease the RF bandwidth of the receiver.
1: B, raise the receiver IF frequency.
0: C, increase the receiver front end gain.
1: Or D, switch from fast AGC to slow AGC. Receiver desensitization. That's caused by a strong nearby signal. Um, Did you see? I'm going to go straight on to the one I think it is. I'm pretty sure it's going to be A, decrease the RF bandwidth of the receiver. So more narrow bandwidth means that the uh, interference signal is going to be Rejected more. So it's got it's got to be A.
0: Okay. I would say, yeah. I'll I'll agree with you on that one. So does everyone in the chat room. And yeah, that does reduce the likelihood. Of course if something falls within the bandwidth there, yeah, that's that's still going to uh you, but it's much less likely there's a lot less frequencies that could happen with.
1: What causes intermodulation in an electronic circuit? A, too little gain.
0: B, lack of neutralization.
1: C, nonlinear circuits or devices.
0: Or D, positive feedback. What causes intermodulation in an electronic circuit? Too little gain, that wouldn't be it. Lack of neutralization. Nah. D. Positive feedback. Nope. C nonlinear circuits or devices. That's gonna be your answer right there. Uh, looking at the chat room, they're all saying it's C. And it is.
1: You gonna do some explaining on that?
0: Um yes, when you've got nonlinear circuits or devices. They can cause intermodulation in an electronic <laughs> circuit. I mean Yeah, I don't know how else to explain it than <laughs> then it's none of those other things. Uh I wouldn't
1: expect any less from a professor.
0: <laughs> okay. Yeah, I did I did pull that off just like a professor, didn't
1: I? <laughs> it looks kinda of like a Dean move.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's that's all I can say about it. It's nonlinear. What is the purpose of a pre-selector in a communications receiver? A to store often used frequencies?
1: B to provide a range of AGC time constants.
0: C to increase rejection of signals outside the desired band:
1: Or D to allow selection of the Optimum RF Amplifier device. It's not D, and it's not A, and it's not B, it's C, increased rejection of signals outside the desired band. So I actually uh, showed one of the MFJ uh, pre-selectors for a shortwave receiver uh, not too long ago with my SDR on Amateur Logic. And it it basically kind of nulls out things around, similar to the previous question, but things that are not that you don't actually have it tuned for, so it can uh, um, reject some of the signals that you don't want that are nearby. What does a third order intercept level of forty dBm mean with respect to receiver performance? A. Signals less than 40 dBm will not generate audible third-order intermodulation products.
0: B. The receiver can tolerate signals up to 40 dB above the noise floor without producing third-order intermodulation products.
1: C. A pair of 40 dBm input signals will theoretically generate a third-order intermodulation product that has the same output amplitude as either of the input signals. Or D,
0: a pair of 1 milliwatt input signals will produce a third order intermodulation product that is 40 dB stronger than the input signal. Go straight to D there. A pair of 1 milliwatt input signals will produce a third order intermodulation product that is 40 dB stronger than the input signal I don't know how that could possibly be. 40 dB stronger? No, that's not that's it. Pretty,
1: that's pretty strong.
0: Hey, signals less than 40 dB will not generate audible third-order intermodulation products. Um, I don't think that's the answer either. B, a receiver can tolerate signals up to 40 dB above the noise floor without producing third-order intermodulation products. No. C. Are you
1: saying it's not A, B, C, or D?
0: I'm saying it's not D, A, or B. Okay. And I only leave C. A pair of 40 dBm input signals will theoretically generate a third-order intermodulation product that has the same output amplitude as either of the input signals. Hmm. Huh. Okay. Okay. Why or out-order intermodulation products created within a receiver of particular interest compared to other products. A... An out-order product of two signals in the band of interest are also likely to be within the band.
1: B, odd order products overload the IF filters.
0: C, out-order products are an indication of poor image rejection.
1: D, odd order intermodulation produces three products for every input signal within the band of interest. Did you hear a buzzer? Oh, just hold on. You probably will. (laughs) Why are odd order intermodulation products created within a receiver of particular interest compared to other products? Why are the odd order ones Interest. I'm going to guess C. I, I really don't know. I'm probably going to get a buzzer. Now, what's everybody saying? My hunch was to say A. Doggone it.
0: <laughs> hey, <laughs> you said A the other two times you were just guessing and it worked for you. But
1: Well, at first it didn't make sense to me, but it does. what it's saying is true. I guess that makes sense if you think about it out order products of two signals in the band of interest are also likely to be within the band. That sounds almost kind of redundant, sort of. Yeah. Okay.
0: That's there's, the answer. There's your buzzer action for I mean, the evening. There were some. Inc- I don't
1: disappoint.
0: There were some incorrect answers in the chat room as well. So you're not. I'm
1: glad it plagiarized them then, because <laughs> somebody got it wrong.
0: One final question for tonight.
1: Okay. What is the term for the reduction in receiver sensitivity caused by a strong signal near the received frequency? A. Desensitization. B. Quieting. C. Cross modulation interference.
0: Or D. Squelch gain rollback. What is the term for the reduction in receiver sensitivity caused by a strong signal near the received frequency? Squelch gain rollback is pro- it's probably not a thing. I've never heard of that. Cross modulation interference. No, cross modulation interference is is not what it is. B quieting. No. Yeah, I think we all know in chat room I think standing.
1: we all know. Yeah.
0: D, citation, Or something that sounds like that. A
1: pretty close. A works.
0: You know, we've got a 16th anniversary coming up here for Amateur Logic, or you could call it a birthday party either way.
1: I like the way that sounds.
0: Yeah. That'll be coming up in October, and we're going to be giving away some stuff. We got a really nice prize package. package. And we're going to talk about that in just a moment, so don't go away. Hey, you gonna do this thing, the Portable Operations
1: Challenge? I'm not
0: sure. Don't the big stations always win these things? No, not this one. The level is all up by how they score the contacts. Well, I bet the big boys are sweating a bit now. The little stations have a chance if they're a good operator. But I'm in. Can we do it anywhere outdoors? Yeah, that's why it's the Portable Operations Challenge. Let's just go and show them what the small station can do. It'll really set the cat amongst the pigeons. Radio, sports and a level playing field, I call that.
1: Radio sport is about competition, and you've been challenged. See foxmikehotel.com stroke challenge for details.
0: Around the 15th of each month, it's Amateur Radio's original and longest-running video podcast, AmateurLogic.tv, with hosts George Thomas, Tommy Martin, Emil Diodine, and Mike Morneau. Roughly, here's what I have. The bottom trace here is ground.
1: While the elements will jiggle some, they're actually not too bad. It's light.
0: After putting it together, I decided to test everything, so I ran in 12 volts, and I'm measuring the output here. No, it's
1: not too windy right now, Jim. It was yesterday. We're in the antenna switching matrix.
0: Any one of our six broadcast transmitters could be connected to any of the 22 antennas. I personally am so thrilled that george got the special award well deserved my friend that's really cool yeah, what about the super bowl emil did you go to the super bowl or were you at home uh, operating that night tuning my amplifier and
1: oh i lost power in the shack and uh, went outside the house
0: <laughs> lost power and the whole neighborhood went out for about 30 minutes i i don't know what happened
1: wow. huh. That explains a lot. Now we can take this and put it over inside our box. It's flush to the bottom. If we were to rotate, we can see that thing goes all the way through, so we'll have a hole in the bottom. What ammunition do you use in there? Uh, actually, you can use black powder. You can use um, <laughs> WD-40. You can use, you know, anything combustible. Um, you just have to use the right quantity, and uh, we assume no responsibility for mishaps.
0: <laughs> Here's what it looks like after I've got them all soldered together and the heat shranked up. Okay, let's give it a try and see how it worked out. So there you have it, the hula loop. No, you can't null out the dogs barking. I have two thin film solar cells to run this. It looks like a little mini weather satellite, actually. And uh, I'm using a guitar string for the antennas. I particularly like that last one there, $29.99. You can get a 50-foot garden hose extension cord combo. <laughs> do not get cord wet now most of these j-poles are built with metal elements or tubing uh, the reason i chose wire for this one is the length of this particular one so i wanted to hang it from the tree so i can hoist it up there yeah Go fishing well we, we couldn't find the reel <laughs> yeah. is that what yeah. that is all right tommy sing the theme song here there's a few items here from MFJ, but there's nothing from ICOM. That's because the box from ICOM is not going to arrive until Monday. So we'll be giving away. Yeah, we'll be giving away Tommy's radio and. <laughs> no, stuff. no,
1: we're not. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well.
1: But I'll be glad to show it to you.
0: What is the grand prize, Tommy?
1: Oh, the grand prize is an uh, ICOM 705, similar to Vine here.
0: It's an all-mode radio from HF to 50, 144, and 430 megahertz. You can enjoy a variety of bands in D-Star DV, single sideband, band CWAM, and FM modes, and it receives continuously from the medium-wave broadcast band to 144 megahertz band. You can also enjoy FM broadcast and airband reception. It's got RF direct sampling system. This is a software-defined radio. It's got a high-speed, high-resolution, real-time spectrum scope and waterfall display that are incorporated in the compact design for the first time in this class. Enhanced field operations with built-in GPS, location logging, RXTX locations via DPRS, near-me repeater search, scan functions, QSO recording with metadata, and internal clock synchronization. And there's additional features like a large 4.3-inch color touchscreen that improves visibility and operability in the field, built-in Bluetooth and wireless LAN, You can use your smartphone for linking and remote control, micro SD card slot for data storage, store user profiles, QSO recording, TX voice memory keyers, ready logging, GPS data, and screen captures. It's got a power output of 10 watts with a 13.8 volt DC external power supply, 5 watts with a BP Two seventy-two lithium-ion battery pack. So, really sweet radio there. And this one belongs to Tommy. I'm glad you finally turned it on there. It looks much nicer. It with, does with that color touch display.
1: Yeah, so, that's fantastic radio. Whoever wins is going to love it. I, I absolutely love mine.
0: And you know, your antenna may not be one hundred percent resonant on. All the bands and frequencies you want to operate, what would you do about that?
1: Well, we've got an AH seven hundred five also.
0: What covers one point eight megahertz to fifty megahertz?
1: it got an SO two thirty nine connector for fifty ohm antennas, such as dipole or Yagi. The terminal connector that comes with it, with a binding post socket for a long wire antenna. Uh, it's two way power sources, either double A batteries. Or it also works off of 13.8 volts DC. Uh, IP54 dust protection and water resistance construction. Full automatic tuning. Just push the tuner button on the IC705. And it's got latching relays used for saving uh, power. It's a awesome little tuner. I love this thing. I, I did a segment on Amateur Logic last month showing how to set it up. So check that out and see how easy it is. It, it works fantastic.
0: And if you want to carry that radio and tuner together when you go out in the field, there's a great well, accessory.
1: It's, yep. maybe might be kind of hard to see that here when I'm zoomed in. But the uh, LC-192 uh, backpack, it's ultimate must-have accessory for the IC-705. It's the utility backpack for field operations. IC-705 stays secure with a quarter-twenty uh, thread. In the radio compartment, it's kind of hard to do this from here.
0: Well, open, open it up. The, so the radio
1: mounts in the top right here.
0: Yeah, it's got a, a lug in there with a safety strap to hold the yeah. radio in where it won't fall out. Adjustable internal panels for custom compartments for accessories such as antennas, battery packs, and more for an afternoon soda activation. You could even put a sandwich in there. Or some Vegemite. Uh, no, this
1: it doesn't hold Vegemite. I'm oh. sure of that.
0: Okay, that's this is not the Australian model. No. Nice, really nice backpack.
1: Yeah, it's great.
0: I it made just to fit those accessories. We mentioned earlier you can power this from uh, 13.8 volts. You could use... One of these right here that we'll be including with it. That's an MFJ4020 MV Super Compact 30-Amp Mighty Light Switching Power Supply. It's got 5-Way 5-Way right. binding post. It's variable from 4 to 16 volts DC, 25 amps continuous, and 30-Amp Surge at 13.8 volts DC. And it operates from one hundred and twenty to two hundred and forty volts at forty seven to sixty three Hertz. So you can take it anywhere in the US or abroad. There's a little switch on the back where you can select one hundred and twenty or two forty and the forty seven to sixty three Hertz 'cause it's gonna cover all electrical systems in the world. So it's ready to go when you are. Um
1: Great little power supply. I've got one of those as well.
0: And of course, an antenna. Yeah, you've got that. You've got that radio, that tuner, that uh, backpack. What else have you got that? that would be. Well, handy? I've,
1: got, I've got the antenna also. I've actually been using this antenna for about five years, uh, roughly. It's a MFJ twenty twelve power light, off-center fed dipole. It's uh, for 40, 20, 10, and 6 meters. It handles a maximum legal limit of 1,500 watts. It's a robust, high-power version of the MFJ 2010 with 14-gauge-stranded copper wire and porcelain end insulators. Pull-tested to 200 pounds. Engineered from the ground up, innovative new antennas by K1BQT. Break traditional off-center-fed design barriers. To deliver wide bandwidth, lower SWR, solid gain, and full frequency agility without a tuner.
0: Hey, and to connect that up, we've also got some MFJ-RG-8X coax. So you'll get maximum power to that antenna from your rig.
1: Yep. That's one piece of this kit I don't have yet. Yet.
0: So all of that together is going to make a great price package for you. Let's just, uh, well, let's just run down the list one more time. It's an ICOM IC705 transceiver, an ICOM AH705 tuner, an ICOM LC192 backpack, an MFJ2012 power light off-center fed antenna, an MFJ4230MV 12-volt power supply, and... RG-8-X Coax from MFJ. Now, if you'd like to win this, well, you got to be qualified first off.
1: You must be a licensed U.S. or Canadian amateur radio operator with a U.S. or Canadian shipping address. Only one entry per contestant, please. Sending more than one entry will disqualify the applicant, so please only send one. The winner is responsible for any taxes incurred. The winner agrees to use his or her call sign and name and promotional and use items related to this contest. Contestants must not be an employee or affiliate of Amateur Logic, ICOM, or MFJ Enterprises.
0: And to enter, you need to send an email to contest2021 at amateurlogic.tv with only your call sign and the subject line include your name, call sign, class of license, and address in the email message. And submissions must be made between Friday, August the 13th, and Monday, October the 11th of 2021.
1: The winner will be selected by random number from the entries received. The winner will be announced on the October 15th episode of AmateurLogic.tv. If it's determined the winning entry does not meet the qualification requirements, another winner will be chosen using the same method. For the contest rules and information, they're going to be posted at www.amitalogic.tv forward slash contest. You can see it on the bottom of your screen there.
0: And it's void where prohibited. Tommy already has all of that stuff, and I have none of it. (laughs) Well, I've got what's sitting here, and the rest of it will be here Monday. Uh, But I'm...
1: I'm going to I can tell you it's a it's a great package you're going to love. Whoever wins it is going to be thrilled with with every bit of it. It is an awesome package.
0: So, are you going to try to take the portable operations challenge with that?
1: I I think I am. If I can work things out uh, here, I, I'm going to try to do that.
0: Cool. Well, somebody's got a great prize coming up there. If you want to catch up with what's going on every Tuesday night, you might want to check out the amateur Logic Soundcheck Net.
1: Oh yeah, this thing has been so fun. We we actually started it almost a year and a half ago and it's been such a success that it's just carried on. So we call it the Amateur Logic Soundcheck Net. It's uh, like it says on your screen every Tuesday night at 8 central time or 0100 UTC. When the time changes, that UTC will change.
0: During the month also, you can catch up with us on the social media networks. We've got well, a facebook group facebook com slash group slash ham college or amateur logic you you can follow us at ham college on twitter or at amateur logic
1: we're on miwe dot uh, com dot com slash join slash ham college and amateur logic uh, see a pattern here
0: yeah and groups slash g slash amateur logic
1: so yeah if you're not into the uh, social media thing the groups io is a nice option to get notified when things are going on
0: so with that uh tommy any final thoughts for tonight or we pretty much used up all our thoughts with some of those tough questions
1: yeah i think my thoughts are pretty much fried right now (laughs) but so they've kind of been run through the strainer um Anyway, yeah I guess uh we'll come join us on the uh Logic sound check net so I've said it a couple times already, but it really is a lot of fun um the, there's always a question every week sometimes there's actually a picture that gets posted to social media uh kind- of a what the heck is it type picture and a lot of discussion around that it's just it's just a fun time so um uh, go to yourself to come check it out any license class has uh privileges to get on those digital modes to be able to, to get on there and join with us. Yep. Uh, other than that, uh, we'll see you on the next uh, Amateur Logic, and don't forget to get your contest entry.
0: Oh, yeah. Be sure to get your contest entry, and only one. Only do it one time, and you'll get an auto-responder message back acknowledging your entry, unless you've got an email server who likes to block our our email server, namely, uh, if if you've got AOL, AOL uh, Yahoo, or anything related to those two, yeah, you might not get that uh, response. In that case, if if you've entered and you just can't remember, send an email to Tommy or I, and we'll. Yeah, we'll, 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 we'll check.
1: be glad that you check, so you don't send an extra.
0: thanks for joining us. And we'll see you in the middle of the month, September, for the next Amateur Logic and in the next month for the next Am College.
1: Yep, 7-3, everybody. I'm going to look it up just so I can see what one looks like.
0: Yeah. Well, it looks like a a circle with a spinning arrow in it, sort of like when Windows is waiting on something.
1: (laughs) Okay.